Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 171 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we are going to start our division previews for the 2018-19 season. We are going to kick it off with the Pacific Division. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brian, it's going really well because it's just so heartwarming to me to see Lou Aldang end up in Minnesota because obviously, (laughs) obviously that's going to happen. I mean, tips... Uh, Lou, Derek, Jimmy. Now we just need the whole Joakim Noah situation to get handled. He can go right. to Mini and we'll have the tim- the official Timber Bulls. And I would actually email Adam Silver on a daily basis to have him just for this year rename the franchise Timber Bulls. Or like on their alternate jerseys, you could just have Timber Bulls instead of Timber Wolves. I would love that. Oh, <laughs> seriously, if they did that, they would just show how good sports they were. I would love yeah. that. I know, and every Chicago fan would definitely buy a jersey. That'd be the best part. <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, would you buy anything the Bolts are having right now? Like, no. Yeah, you don't want a Zach Levine jersey? I don't know why. It's weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No, don't don't get... I was happy, so shut the hell up, okay? <laughs> well, we also have a special guest joining us today, Anthony Irwin, the deputy editor of Silver Screen and Roll, also the host of Locked On Lakers. Anthony, how's it going? I'm I'm about as good as Tibbs today. I'm I don't know who's ha- I don't know who's happier. Like is it is it is it Laker fans or is it Tom Thibodeau? Like yeah. <laughs> Probably Thibodeau just Tibbs. wakes up just he's just like laughing. Yeah. Tom, what's yeah, so funny? We, it's just life is great. We need that that uh meme of him just like cackling right about now. Oh, that was the greatest Tibbs moment ever. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for, not for Wolves fans. I'm sorry for Wolves fans, but I'm excited for Tibbs. But, you know, we we felt it necessary to bring a Lakers guy on for this episode in particular. Obviously, given all the offseason changes that went down, so we're gonna lead off with the Lakers, Anthony. Um, I think really the first place to start is let's just Javale talk McKee. about. What? <laughs> JaVale McGee has to be the, the where you start, right? Oh At the God. top. Yeah. Two-time well, NBA champion JaVale McGee. 
That's true, right. sir. We're, we'll get we'll get to Javale, but let, let's just start with talking about like the expectations for this team. Because obviously, you get LeBron James, you've got all the young kids still. You have a bunch of these random free agents who we'll touch upon. But what do you think the like the reasonable ceiling for this team is, and then also the reasonable floor? Do you see a scenario in which they could miss the playoffs, or do you think they're like comfortably gonna be in? It's just a question of like how far do they get? So long as LeBron stays healthy, like if LeBron gets hurt, this team is a lottery bound team. Yeah. Right. And that it's a lottery bound team. I think they will be mid to high lottery. I still trust a lot of the talent that they have on the team uh, from last year. Julius Randle is a loss, but I think they're deeper than they were last year. Uh, if LeBron stays healthy, though, I think their their floor is the eight seed. Their ceiling is the. I'd say the three seed, their absolute highest ceiling. It, I, but I think they fall somewhere in the middle there. I think they'll be like a, a five or six seed, and then I like them in. You know, unfortunately, if they're if they're a five or if they're a six seed, then they're probably going up against either uh, Houston or Golden State fairly early on in in the proceedings, because um, I think OKC is going to come out and really run amok in terms of the regular season they have a lot to prove this year so uh I, I like the lakers in just about any playoff series but if they face either of those two teams their their playoff run is is cut really short mm, yeah so you think probably like second round appearance is best case realistic scenario yeah yeah and and really i mean for the lakers look they they would were we joked a bunch at the beginning here about the luol dang waving thing their priorities are very obviously next season and moving forward right Mm -hmm. like every team that has a bona fide superstar that is coming off the books this upcoming off season has to be nervous they have to be and and so for the lakers you know whether you want to call it punting a season i think they did to a certain extent though i would i would probably phrase it more or frame it around gambling on their youth and really believing in their young guys that they can carry the load at least until a second actual superstar shows up uh but you know the lakers they they very clearly wanted to remain flexible heading into next year so that lebron has his choice of superstar and yeah, I, I this year we'll see how it goes, but but moving forward, I, I wouldn't. I, I'd be really nervous. You know, the aforementioned Timber Bulls with with Jimmy <laughs> Butler coming off of yeah. off of the books, and 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 Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. You know, it was great to see all of the. Hey, he actually doesn't hate Toronto that much, like <laughs> right. that, that you saw from Toronto. I thought that was hilarious, but we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm just. I'm also in love with you being on my train and thinking OKC is going to really rampage this year because I'm also very high on them. Yeah, Perhaps I, irrationally so. but they, they were really good when Robertson was healthy. And now mm-hmm. we'll see how he recovers from his injury. Uh, but when, when Robertson was healthy, they were a very different team. I actually I, I would have liked to have seen the, the Thunder with Robertson go up against uh, Golden State because that's how you defend them with just a ton of long wings. Now, now they don't even have Carmelo's, mm-hmm. you know, decaying corpse playing <laughs> any kind of minutes. Like it's it's going to be great to 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 watch that team play. Although I'm always going to hold it against Paul George 
that yeah. he put us through. <laughs> like the decision, he wants to stay out there. Fine, that's cool. But that three-part docu series. Like that's unforgivable. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to boo him just for that. <laughs> I don't care that he wanted to stay in Oklahoma City. That that docu series, drinking wine with Dwayne Wade, was just awful. I forgot that Lakers fans actually had to watch that because I feel like you're the only ones who did. Like I yeah. totally forgot that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair to hold that against him. I'd have liked to seen when that thing premiered because you had a ton of, like the the third part, I think happened after his reported decision was made. Right? He he mm-hmm. didn't. It wasn't. Uh, it, it. I'd I'd like to see the drop off from <laughs> the second part to the third part. <laughs> How few people watched that third part? All of Oklahoma City did though. It made up for it. <laughs> like no Lakers fans did, and every Thunder fan did. So like three hundred people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, Mort, I know you're you're optimistic about the fit of Lonzo next to LeBron James, but let's let's talk about that. How do you see that playing out this year? Lonzo obviously is very ball dominant, but at the same time, you know, coming from UCLA, he had this ability to play off the ball a little bit more. Like he was a great catch and shoot player. He wasn't last year uh, for reasons somewhat unknown. I think part of it was also him getting acclimated to the NBA speed and and, and just the athleticism of the game. Now you have like <laughs> the greatest player in the game, you know, creating open shots for him and, and creating him open opportunities. Uh, I, I just can't see Lonzo not benefiting greatly from that. I think the discussion next summer is going to be so is Lonzo Lonzo a product of LeBron? Like I can't wait oh. for for NBA Twitter to start that debate because that's going to be infuriating. But no, but you can see it, right? I mean, yeah. it's just it's right there available for the, for the pickings. But no, I I think he's going to do better. Um I I will say this, like a lot of people crab on Lonzo, you know, you and I included have have, you know, crapped a little bit on him for this past season, but his defense was was NBA ready. Like, mm-hmm. it was good. And I can't imagine that not improving further. And additionally, now, I haven't read up on, on this. I just saw a, a small video. It seems like Lonzo has increased, uh, or sorry, not increased, but um, improved his shooting motion. It seems he has a slightly mm-hmm. higher release point now than before, which I think is really going to be key moving forward. Yeah. I, I think... When you talk about Lonzo, or when you talk about the point guard that you want to play alongside LeBron, like my the take that I feel strongest about that I I haven't even unleashed on on Twitter quite yet is that Ooh. I think Drew Holiday is the best point guard you could have playing alongside LeBron. You want a guy who is good at the point of attack as a defender. You want him to be able to switch. You want him to be able to knock down jumpers. You want him to be able to be a, a, a low-usage kind of point guard. And all of those things outside of... So Lonzo needs to improve at the point of de, uh, attack in terms of his defense. Um, and he obviously needs to improve his shooting. But he Mort mentioned his defense last year. And in that, it's, it's actually really interesting that they went after... Rajon Rondo as as like his backup and, and mentor kind of guy because he defends in a lot of the ways that Rondo does. He just kind of mm-hmm. he's always just kind of lurking. He blows up. He loves to blow up horns. <laughs> it's like his favorite thing. <laughs> he sees it getting set up. And if he's if he's guarding the shooter that's on the strong side corner, 
he's going to leave as soon as that pass goes to the high post guy there. And he always steals, like he just loves blowing up that play. And he, he has incredible instincts for the game. And offensively, like one of the ways I can tell that you never watched Lonzo play basketball is if, if you start saying how, well, he needs the ball to be effective mm-hmm. and therefore he's not going to work with LeBron. That's really not how he operates. He's right. really good at, at kind of floating on the weak side. He's really good at taking a snapshot of the of the defense and of the, the court before he receives the ball, and he makes a really quick decision. And, and what that does is Le- LeBron is obviously going to demand a ton of strong side attention. The ball rotates over to Lonzo, and even if he isn't, you prefer him to be able to knock down that the the shot as the ball rotates over to him but if even if he isn't able to he makes a decision so quickly that whoever gets the pass after lebron reverses the court is going to benefit greatly from how quickly lonzo makes his decisions mm-hmm. that's yeah. a great point and really when you think about the development of superstars in recent years that's actually a trend like players being able to make really quick decisions you look at mm-hmm. Giannis. You, you look at uh, Kawhi, not initially, but he came into that a little bit more as he grew more comfortable with, with his jump shot. Like, you don't really see superstars today, young superstars, just stand there with the ball in their hands and look it out. Like, they take decisions right off the catch, really. Like, even before that, that ball is catched, like they have an idea of, okay, I have options A, B, and C. Which one am I going to go with? Which I think is a really positive sign for Alonso. Yeah, yeah, I and Brian, you can you can chime in in here as well on this, but but in in my opinion, it's all about because one of the things that we're kind of starting to see the game go to a little bit more is like the ISO heavy. You know, Houston basically relies on getting a switch and then taking advantage of the switch in isolation, mm-hmm. and I still think though there's value in make the defense move and then you know kind of guide the defense into into the type of movement that you want them to move towards and then take advantage and and be able to attack the seams that are created by that movement and that's where i think lonzo is already really good as a rookie and all of these things are going to continue to get better yeah i totally agree i mean i i think even as a cutter too i think just having that kind of like anthony you mentioned you know lebron's going to reverse court pass it to him he's going to pass it back like he can if the defense is already rotated toward lebron which they're going to have to just because he's lebron in theory that's going to open driving lanes for lonzo if it doesn't he can start driving and kicking like offensively you can very easily see the two working together well and then defensively of course you know (laughs) it really comes down to lebron's effort during the regular season but lonzo (laughs) as you said has a good mentor in rondo and I should clarify, Mort mentioned that we crapped on Lonzo this year. A lot of it was really just from his for his father. Like, yeah. mo- most of the time, we actually said, you know, he had that shooting lull early in the year, which we pointed out. But most of the time, we actually said, ignore the father, and, like, there's a promising player here. But, this is true. <laughs> but the father is just so ever-present that, you know, hopefully his kids go back to, like, Estonia or Lithuania, wherever the hell they were, and... We just don't have to deal with it again. Oh no, that that club is financial in in major financial issues right now because Great. of that whole thing. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Like they, they they even had one hell of a press release, essentially just 
slamming the entire ball family. So that was nice. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. Well, he did start the JBA, right? I saw I saw the two younger ones won the inaugural JBA title. So maybe he'll be busy with that. Let's hope. Um, Anthony... I, 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 saw, I saw that he wasn't even paying some of his athletes, which... Oh, really? Is probably not great. great. It's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Um, I want to ask because they the Lakers do have a lot of good young prospects in Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart. Who do you think has the highest upside of those guys? I'm always partial to wings because I think that's the most important position in basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at all of the champions for the last, I would say, decade ish. Probably, probably even further since LeBron's career started, really. And they have had an elite wing, an elite small forward who can switch down, who can switch up, who can knock down sh- jumpers. Uh, the most valuable shots in basketball are the corner three-pointer and dunks, and wings take the most of those. So with all that said, it's Ingram, right? He plays, the, he's, he's 6'9". He played some point guard last year when Lonzo dealt with some of his injuries issues and looked really good doing it. I think a lot of why he looked really good doing it was because his <laughs> the other option was Tyler Ennis. <laughs> and we don't have to get into Tyler Ennis, but <laughs> right. but 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 he I just think, you know, for the things that LeBron has never played with a small forward who is capable of doing all of the things that that Ingram is capable of doing. And it's going to be fascinating to watch LeBron because it's going to take some getting used to, right? Like LeBron is going to pass the ball off to Ingram and Ingram is going to be capable of making that secondary play, that secondary creative play in ways that Jeff Green couldn't, for example, (laughs) you know, and and it's going to be really interesting to watch that happen. And even if it doesn't work, then you you basically put Ingram and you and you let him just roll with the second units, and Ingram would feast against opposing uh, opposing benches. So that's the that's number one. It's kind of like a two tier system. So Ingram and Lonzo, I think, belong in tier one, mm-hmm. and then I and then you got like the tier two guys of Kuzma, Josh Hart, and then you know they drafted Wagner. We'll see how he looks, but uh, to me, that the guy who I think is going to get a ton of cred on NBA Twitter is going to be Josh Hart. He's yeah. going to win a championship somewhere, whether it's with the Lakers, yeah. wherever he goes. He's that kind of role player, and I'm I'm all in on Josh Hart. I can't buy enough stock on him. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just upset that none of you guys mentioned Isaac Bonka. <laughs> I am really truly upset. This guy is going to be special. He's just a few years away from being ready, but oh good lord, he's special. He, he reminds me way too much of Soon Yue. It was kind of funny like they they asked him, they asked, I think it was Jesse Bus. Yeah, it was Jesse Bus. They asked him for an interview for lakers.com. Mm. Uh what did you think you what did you see from Isaac Bonga? He looked like he struggled a little bit. Like are, are you are you how do you feel about his development at this point? And, and Bus is trying to be optimistic, and he goes, "Well, he made. There was that one play. Oh, no. <laughs> That's probably not great. <laughs> That's probably not great if you're if you're able to isolate the one good play that Isaac Bongo made in, in summer league. Yeah. It sounds like well, Marco Fultz's rookie season. <laughs> um, Mort, we've we've mocked some of the Lakers signings this summer outside of LeBron. Are you optimistic about any of them? 
I mean, I, I'm optimistic that certain things are going to happen. You know, he's <laughs> going to score the basketball. Uh, sure. That's not going to change. We're going to see some weird quotes from some of the players. There is going to be a report some point this season about a couple of guys bumping heads, and it's yeah. going to be perfectly fine, but NBA Twitter is going to blow it up out of proportion. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic in the sense that Rashawn Rondo is not J.R. Smith. I mean... <laughs> That's something in, yep. when you look at it from a LeBron point of view. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, there's undoubtedly a lot of basketball talent and a lot of basketball IQ on this roster. But at the same time, you have the Michael Beasleys and the, and the JaVale McGee's, not exactly the high IQ types. So what you kind of hope is that you can sort of bridge their yeah, lack of understanding of the game sometimes with some of these absolute geniuses and see if they can write out a product that is... Uh, overall, um, what you expect. Yeah. Uh, Bleacher Report, I forget who it was. I want to say it was like Leo Sepkowitz, but I apologize if it wasn't him. But someone interviewed Beasley recently, and he was actually talking about like how this kind of like band of misfits. And he's like, actually, if you think about it, like, so we don't, we're not all like terrible shooters. And like, with all of the passers that we have with LeBron, with Rondo, with Ball. Like, a lot of us are actually going to shoot better than we have before, which I thought was, like, it's interesting to hear that coming from a player who has been practicing with these guys and is, like, Mm. starting to see that in action. So, you know, like, KCP has just been so inconsistent, but it wouldn't totally shock me if he has a career high year from three-point range or if Beasley, you know, he was, like, a 35 36% shooter from three. But, like, just because... LeBron's going to get so much defensive attention, but also Ball and Ingram. Like, these complimentary guys actually could be better than we expect. I think the one thing to, to keep in mind with all of the Lakers additions in, in the offseason, like, to me, the, the, the deciding factor of this Lakers season is going to be, is Luke Walton capable of looking the veterans in the face and saying, actually, your rookie, your, your younger counterparts are actually better than you, mm. and they're going to get the minutes? If he, isn't a, if, he, if he isn't able to do that or willing to do that, then the Lakers are going to have problems because then you start leaning on Lance Stevenson while he isn't in Indiana, right? You, right. Then you start leaning on Rajon Rondo, who is great in short bursts, like playoff Rondo and national TV Rondo is is a, <laughs> is a thing, um, but he isn't he isn't very good on like the 14th Wednesday of the NBA season when, <laughs> when <laughs> you know when when they aren't necessarily playing somebody who who demands his respect. Right. Uh, so, so that's where I, you know, I, that's the number one thing I'm, I'm watching for. And I, I, I thought it was really interesting that Beasley made that point, and KCP actually said so as well, that, like, he's coming off of shooting 38% from three last year, which is the best season that he's had from there. That, that improvement might happen naturally because he's still only 25, I think. He's heading mm-hmm. into his year 26 season, and... So I think he might be able to take a step forward there. He also had that month in December where he was dealing with his legal issues, and he only shot in those, like, I think 11 games that he was able to play in, he shot 29%. And so if you just if you just let his averages from the other months just kind of carry through there, he becomes a 40% three-point shooter. And, and he's also going to be dealing with a ton more space this year. And it's not just because of LeBron, like – 
teams at the end of the year had to start adjusting for Ingram being able to create and catch and shoot, and and he was starting to demand some some gravity. We laugh at JaVale McGee because of all of the shacked in a full stuff, but he's one of the best finishers, you know, uh, uh, coming down the lane in the NBA in short stretches. He can only play like 15 minutes a night because of his asthma thing. Uh, but when he's out there, teams have to tag him, which is going to create more space for shooters on the perimeter as well. So I, I'm interested to see how Kuzma does in his rookie, in his sophomore season in this respect. KCP as well. Josh Hart shot nearly 40% as well last year. The Lakers have a few shooters. It's just a matter – I mean, those names that I mentioned are young guys. They aren't mm-hmm. veterans. So if, if Luke – relies heavily on Lance Stevenson, then this rotation starts to make a lot less sense. Yeah. Well, luckily, Luke is not Byron Scott, so you actually have a chance of seeing (laughs) guys below 30. (laughs) Luke Walton, not Byron Scott. Like, that's that's line one of his resume. Yeah, exactly. For real. It's the flashback sale at Mattress Firm. We're celebrating the year we were founded with a special price from 1986. A flashback price of $169 on a new Sleepy's Queen mattress. Plus, get up to $400 off throwback deals on beds. And Wednesday through Sunday, take home a free adjustable base with a purchase of just $599. But hurry in, these awesome blasts from the past savings won't last forever. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply, valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. All right, guys, let's flip over to the Golden State Warriors. There's not, like, we don't need to talk about their big four. We know what to expect from them. I think the big story with them is DeMarcus Cousins, obviously. We don't know when he's going to be coming back. I mean, at some point in the regular season. Or if if he's coming back, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess. So what do you expect, Anthony, from Boogie this season, if anything? Well, fortunately, he's playing like if you were if you were just any player recovering from that injury, which takes by all accounts at least a year, a a calendar year to come back from, uh, you would want it to be in Golden State where, yes, they their possessions are going to matter more because they're a really good team. But by those kinds of standards, it's going to be the lowest leverage situations of any player in the league coming back from that injury. So he can take his time completely. He can focus totally on, on getting healthy. And when he comes back, like he's going to benefit from, we were just talking about some of the spacing that the Lakers are going to have. The Warriors are the spacing team. They're NASA. Mm. They are, they are going to, so Boogie is going to come back and have as much space that he wants to, uh, to work with when he comes back. Uh, the, the Warriors are also, this is insane to say, this next sentence is wild, but the Warriors don't need DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so like, so if he, if he doesn't work out, then like they can all just kind of wipe their hands and, and head into next off season as if nothing happened. Um, I, I just think if he comes back and I, I think it won't be till later in the season if he comes back and he's like 85% of, of what we remember, 75% of what we remember of Boogie, then, you know, it's just another season of, oh, yeah, everybody's promising, but there's the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, more than I've discussed it before, I don't see them having any reason to bring him back before, like, 
February, probably around the All-Star break. I think they do need uh-huh. to bring him back during the regular season just so he can develop chemistry with those guys. You don't want to throw him as his first action, like, a week before the playoffs. But, more that goes to this next question, and we talked about it a little bit um, when we were going through the Warriors over-under a few weeks ago. But until Boogie comes back, like, what do the Warriors have to play for in the regular season? Or are they just going to, like, half-ass their way through it like they did last year? Uh, why stop what's working? I mean, <laughs> half-ass it all the way through, like, 82 games. They're going to win 55 just by showing up, essentially. Right, uh, right. So I think I think what could be a, a pretty nice subplot is kind of getting some of the young guys involved. Like you have a, a pretty interesting bench. You have Jordan Bell, who's I'm assuming going to be the starting center even after next year when Buki has probably moved on. You have Quinn Cook, who's a rotational player. You have Jacob Evans. Like you have these young guys who can do something, and I think that would be pretty nice to see a, a Warriors team giving the top stars like. A, a fair restriction on the minutes, like 32 mm-hmm. atops, maybe even less, and then just go with the youth and, and try to do what Dallas did back in the day of by creating like a 12-year-long window. Um, I think that would be interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to focus on, you know, the chemistry going into the playoffs and all that, but I would probably go that route if I was them because, I mean, look at that talent. They, they don't need half of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it makes sense. I think the regular season for them should be developing their young guys because, as you said, like keeping the keeping the vets fresh for the playoffs is critical. But also, like they did lose some bench talent this off season, and you know, it's not like no offense to Javale McGee or Zaza, like they're not tremendous losses. But you know, outside of their their top five, they have Iggy still, Sean Livingston, but like there are a lot of question marks outside of that. Mm. Well, and, and you also have to take into account the toll of playing in what is it four or five straight finals at this point, and yeah. like that that wears on teams, not just physically playing whatever amounts to. I think it's on average they're playing about a hundred and six games a season at this point. Uh, or 103 games per season. But yeah. those playoff games are may as well count for one and a half regular season games because of the lengthy mm-hmm. minutes and the high leverage. But also mentally, like last season you saw Steve Kerr step away and let the Warriors coach themselves for a game, right? Mm-hmm. And that was to keep them interested and, and keep them fresh mentally, just to in, introduce something new. Like I work from home and... And and in working from home, there are some days that I just have to I I just have to leave the house with no reason whatsoever. Just leave the house, retrain my brain, like just go out and drive and focus on something that isn't basketball for a while, just yeah. so that I can come back and stay fresh. And for mm-hmm. the Warriors, that was like their equivalent of we're just going to go out and go for a cruise just to focus on on a new way of thinking about basketball just so that you know we can stay fresh and 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 be ready for the higher leverage situations when they present themselves this stretch is going to take a toll on them and Steve Kerr saw it first uh, up close and personal with his time with the Chicago Bulls he's the first person to say that even if uh, Michael doesn't take a year off the way he did that they wouldn't have won eight straight finals or whatever the number seven straight finals whatever the number would have been he says that they were they were exhausted by the time that third finals 
series took took place. And uh, he, I think he is the perfect coach because of that experience for this Warriors team. Yeah, I mean, even last year he was saying like this is the hardest, this is the hardest one we've had yet. A lot of the players said that too, and it, I think like David West especially said he gave some interview to like the Undefeated where he said, you know, you guys don't know like half of what we went through this year, which means there's probably a tell-all book coming out kind of soon that's going to be really fascinating to like hear what he was referring to or if we ever find out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think it's going to be tough for them. I, you know, you mentioned like Rajon Rondo, how like on the 14th Wednesday of the regular season, he's just not going to get up for that game. And it's going to be the same thing for the Warriors too. Like, how are you going to get motivated to play the New York Knicks without Kristaps Porzingis? Like, you're yeah. not. You're, you're, and yeah. that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to be the narrative of their season is like, they're going to be on cruise control really until Boogie comes back. And then like, at that point, maybe they turn it on, and but like we're gonna just get kind of bored of them this year, if that's like a fair thing to say, which is weird to say because they're still gonna be a sixty-win team most likely, and they're you know they've got some of like the all-time greatest players ever to play this game. We should be celebrating their greatness, even if their fans are annoying. But instead, <laughs> it's just like you know, there's this whole like they ruined the NBA narrative, and seeing them be able to coast and still demolish teams most nights is only going to further fuel that well i think there's two separate issues here right like their ability to coast like every title team coasts so that's yeah. not mm-hmm. that's not necessarily unique to their situation i actually like their presence because it forced the rest of the nba to go out and try to catch them like lebron isn't a laker if golden state doesn't exist in their current iteration i don't think Right. And and so you know, and and LeBron isn't is is a Laker, and <clears throat> the Lakers probably use their younger assets to go acquire Kawhi Leonard a season earlier because in any other year LeBron and Kawhi on the same team is 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 a title right, but the Lakers have to be smarter than that. They have to they have to bet on their on their younger guys and then bet on being able to sign Kawhi next offseason so that they go into next year with a team that might be able to beat Golden State. So like I think I think Golden State's presence actually makes the league better. I don't think it necessarily ruined it, though, you know, I, I the competitive stuff, it does get kind of old. It, that that like it poor Houston. Like if I was a Houston yeah. fan, <laughs> like <laughs> they they killed Golden State killed Daryl Morey. Like they drove him so yeah. insane that he thought acquiring Carmelo Anthony was a good idea. <laughs> so so uh but but I, I think next year the, the the Warriors' number one competition is going to be their own expectations and the expectations for them. I, like my, one of my principles in life is under uh, promise and overproduce, right? And and that's impossible for the Warriors. That that's legitimately, literally impossible for them to do is to go out there and, and t- try to tell their fans, no, keep expectations at a decent <laughs> place. Like if right. they, um, <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. And yeah. so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that dynamic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you're right. Like it's title or bust for them, which is unfair to some degree, just given the fatigue factors that we talked about. And like the Western conference hasn't, this like might be the strongest version ever 
or at least in recent memory, like they have to mm-hmm. go through an absolute gauntlet just to get back to the finals, at which point like Boston could be waiting there and Boston's a really yeah. good team. Like, you know, it, it's it they're gonna go through a tougher road this season, most likely, than they did last season. Houston yeah. might be worse, but like overall their competition is gonna be better. Like there are gonna be more a higher number of legitimate threats to them, I I think at least. I mean there was one yeah. last year. It was Houston. Like Utah, Utah and OKC, I think both give the Warriors some issues next year. OKC especially. Mm-hmm. I think people are sleeping on that team. That if if OKC plays a Warriors team that hasn't quite figured it it out with Demarcus Cousins quite yet, they're tired from all these finals appearances in a row. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if OKC upset them. Hey, man. I'm so happy. I, you and I are, are going to be driving the OKC bandwagon this year as not <laughs> OKC fans because I'm I am right there with you. I like I think they could. There's a world in which they could be the second best team in the West. It's oh not yeah, necessarily absolutely. Likely, but like it could happen. And just imagine the documentary series that Paul George would have for that series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's flip over to the Phoenix Suns who pulled off an out of nowhere trade the other day. <laughs> uh, the unexpected like August thirtieth Woj bomb. Uh, it was so they sent Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris. Since we're talking about the Houston Rockets, they sent those two guys to Houston. Further, uh, further driving Daryl Morey mad. He or the the Rockets, I should say, sent back Ryan Anderson and Morton's baby boy D'Anthony Melton. So, mm-hmm. Mort, I know you're a big fan of this. You don't like it for Houston. You love this deal for Phoenix, right? Oh, absolutely. I think D'Anthony Melton is the guy you look back at in three or four years' time and go, what the hell did they do? I think he's that type of player. Um, to me, he's going to be like Avery Bradley on steroids. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't see why they would give up the, this type of asset. And people go, oh, well, like you and I talked about it uh, before we started recording that you know now Houston has a backup point guard in the form of Brendan Knight. Well, Brendan Knight played 106 games in the two years before he missed a full year, so I don't exactly deem him reliable at this point because you just don't know about his body and his health. You, you just don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, I think I even saw a report like that he's not going to be ready for the start of this season as well. So, oh, really? Yeah, I think I saw something like that. And I get that Brian Anderson like is exposed defensively, but that's mm-hmm. in the playoffs, and I and I get that, but he's still a bomber. Like, if you need someone to stretch the floor from the power forward position, yeah, he's still there. You can still go to that chip. And you would still have an D'Anthony Melton on your team, like, if you didn't pull off this trade. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't get it for Houston. For for Phoenix, on the other hand, now they have two of my, my darlings from the second round, Elio Cobo and D'Anthony Melton. And if they share the court just once this year... I mean, I, I'm going to fate. Uh, that's, I would love that so much. I'm all in the, on the rookie hype train right now. But yeah, I, I love it for Phoenix. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think they've had one hell of a summer outside of the Philly trade. I think that was atrocious. <laughs> they overpaid <laughs> dramatically for Bridges. But outside mm-hmm. of that, I mean, I, I'm digging what they did. I, I get the the argument for, for Houston wanting something a little bit more safer and something more established. But I just have to question whether, you know, Brandon Knight, again, having played 106 games over the last three years, is a better chip to go in on than Anthony mm-hmm. Melton. 
Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the Houston side when we do that division preview. But um, right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you said Ryan Anderson gets played off the floor in the playoffs. Luckily, he's in Phoenix now, so he won't have the chance right. to get played off the floor <laughs> in the playoffs. That is true. That is true. No that's pressure. A, that's yeah. that, that black guy thinking meme, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Get played off the floor if you're not on the floor. Right, right, exactly. Well, I mean, I did see Woj reported that they plan to start Ryan Anderson, which... right. I get it to some extent, but like Oof. this feels very much like a top down like Sarver wants to make the playoffs this year. And Anthony, I saw you tweeted about this yesterday. We're like, <laughs> you know, LeBron joins the Western Conference. The Western Conference has like eleven or twelve teams that feasibly could make the playoffs this year. And here Sarver is. It's like now's the time to go all in. Let's go for yeah. the playoffs, baby. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, Phoenix? Like this you know. I don't, I don't, I get that Melton, like, long-term could be the best player in this deal, so I get what, you know, mm-hmm. I, I understand the appeal for Phoenix, but, like, who is their starting point guard right now? Yeah, no, they're looking Melton, for one. They right? have, they're looking for one. I mean, apparently they're in the market for one. I, I, th- I think it should be Okobo, but I've been, you know, I've been on that wagon for a month and people are calling me insane, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I, 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 I actually it. think. I actually think Melton makes a little bit more sense for the starting lineup, especially if they're going to start Ryan Anderson, right? They needed as many defenders as they can put on a court if Devin Booker, Ryan Anderson, and DeAndre Ayton are all going to be starters. Like, Ayton, people think he's a specimen in all these things, but he's not good defensively. He can't Mm -hmm. switch onto anybody. He, He looked bad defensively in summer league. Right. Right. That that was against summer league guys. And, and Ryan Anderson, like he, he, we were joking about him playing, getting played off the court in the postseason, but in the regular season, and it's not like he turns into a decent defender either. So, like, I, I think Melton, and it's for a lot of these reasons that I liked Melton to stay in Houston because he did a lot of the things he could play alongside either Chris Paul or James Harden. Yeah. I think for, for Booker, Melton is a really good he's the kind of point guard you want alongside Booker because he can do all the defensive stuff and then allow Booker to focus on his offense. Um, so I, I think, I think they need to start Melton and they're, you know, they're saying that the Suns are interested in, in trading for a, a starting caliber point guard. Like, what are you guys doing? Like just the tanking is going, would be so easy next year because of how <laughs> deep they're, how deep the Western conference is like, just go out there and lose 70 games <laughs> and then draft whoever that you want to, to, to continue to, to fill out your roster. But Sarver is out there like, no, I have to sell these tickets. <laughs> I, 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 need to, I need to make it look like I care to, to my fans or whatever. But fans are starting to come around to the idea of tanking. I just, I, whoo, Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think you can look at it in two different ways because – when I say that I support what Phoenix have done this season, I mean or this summer, I'm looking at the long term because in no, you know, in no way should Phoenix try to be competitive at this point. It would just be dumb. Not not just because of the Western Conference results, they're not ready. Mm-hmm. Like who who do you go to in a tight game? Tyson Chandler who's about a million and six? <laughs> like what do you do? Like that's it it just doesn't make any sense. That's also why the the Trevor Reza contract, I mean, it was dumb. I get it to some extent that they want to get a guy in who is older and who can like 
parlay a little bit of wisdom in a sort of Luol Deng type of role. But I mean, <laughs> that worked out well not for the g- Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, the thing is, you know, you don't know how exactly that went on behind the, st- the behind the scenes because Deng, from everything we know, is just one of those guys who takes you know players under his wing and talk mm-hmm. about uh, t- talk to him a lot and stuff like that. And I don't know if Trevor is that guy. Like, if that's mm. what they're hoping for, I mean, I hope they did their homework. Um, but, but, yeah, if Sarver is indeed looking at this year going, hey, <laughs> let's try to win, then, yeah, obviously that's going to change the narrative. Leroy Jenkins. Like, he's just like... <laughs> I, I, think, I think Ariza makes sense in this sense for me, is that if... if or No... When Phoenix falls out of playoff contention in week one, <laughs> mm-hmm. they can start hitting the market and maybe fetch themselves a, a conditional first round mm-hmm. pick or, you know, a highly protected first round pick or a couple seconds as the season goes along and a team realizes that they could use Trevor Ariza. I actually mm-hmm. think Ariza makes a ton of sense for the Lakers right now that they have an open roster spot. If if it's just like a buyout kind of situation, well, then you just slide Ariza in there and, and you got another wing. But he makes, that, he makes that kind of sense for any number of contenders, which means there's going to be a bid, bidding market for him out there. So... Oh, yeah. We'll see how that turns out. It's only a one-year deal. There's there's really no such thing as a, a bad one-year deal, uh, yeah. unless you're Lance Stevenson. Um, <laughs> and, and so I, I, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. And the, the other concern that I have here with, and, and this is the same kind of issue I mentioned with the Lakers, is that the, the Suns have guys who play ryan anderson's position who are going to be who need minutes to develop and and if Mm -hmm. sarver is all in on this contend now crap well then those guys aren't going to get their minutes and that actually limits the 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 organization's ceiling moving forward so we'll see how they work that they make that work right yeah like that's that's kind of my question even going back to the point guard thing it's like all right you want to compete and Woj said they're looking for a veteran point guard but like if you you want to compete, but you're turning it over to two rookies in Kobo and Melton, that's not going to work. And like Booker no. has improved as a ball handler, as a passer, but I thought they said they wanted to like dial that back a little bit, and they wanted him to be more of a catch and shoot guy this year. So like he could fill that role, but <laughs> I don't know if he's want to going to. <laughs> <laughs> and then like if as you said, Anthony, like if they start. I mean, there's a world in which they could start Ariza, Anderson, and Tyson Chandler instead of Aiton, oh. which would be oh dumb. <laughs> but, like, they could do it. I'm not going to rule it out. But, like, at, you know, as you said, they've got guys like Dragon Bender, TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, all of whom need minutes. Like, this, <clears throat> I agree. They're, like, the Ariza contract, especially, you, it's a one-year deal, whatever. And as you said, they could flip it later. Like, if they're willing to take back bad salary, that's, it was like one year, 15 million. That's in the range of like an Evan Turner, a Kent Bazemore, something like that. So they could maybe use that to extract assets, especially once they fall out of the playoff race. But like, I just don't get the vision of this team at all. And I feel like, you know, I, I, there's a world in which like their young talent, they have some of the, probably like one of the best young cores in the league. But like, I have zero faith that they're actually going to develop those guys the right way. Yeah, I, they they 
name me the guy outside of Devin Booker who's made legitimate strides forward in in the Phoenix organization over this. What's their thing, their version of the process? I think it's like the timeline or something. So, like, name me the timeline guy who has taken legitimate strides forward in their development and and it's hard to name one, right? Like Dragon Bender has looked lost three straight years at Summer League. Um, yeah. Marquise Chris last year was like hmm. hilarious on the court with how bad his <laughs> instincts were. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it reached a point where I thought to myself, "All right, this dude needs to stop thinking." Period. Like right. <laughs> when he thinks, he makes the wrong decision every dis- every time. So like I, I, I if they're able to develop it and, and if they're able to rebuild their culture culture and, and actually develop these guys great awesome cool but but until i actually see that uh phoenix like they, they just they need a complete organizational shift and 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 it kind of goes back to the number one rule in professional sports is you're never going to be good if you can't trust your owner and and they can't like why would phoenix suns fans trust their owner they and and you know we'll see we'll see how it all turns out yeah yeah no i I, yeah one one more thing to that because i wrote a phoenix piece about six months back i want to say and they were they were looking at getting the milwaukee pick as well they they were looking like they had four first round picks or something like that three or maybe was it was three first rounders in the first pick and the second like they were just loaded with with picks at that point and um, Ryan McDonough, the GM, was like, "No, no, we're gonna max like have two rookies on the roster or something." Like he he had like an arbitrary number. Like he capped himself off because he <laughs> wanted to get veterans. Like we should mm-hmm. probably trade some of those picks for vets. I was just like, "What?" So my entire article was actually built up on the premise, like, "Don't do that. That's dumb." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, especially especially in this age where rookies are coming in and actually legitimately producing, right? Producing right. In, in roles with responsibilities. Like, there is nothing more valuable right now than a rookie that outperforms a rookie contract, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it, because that allows you, like the Lakers right now have the opportunity to go out and get Kawhi Leonard because they're relying on their rookies to be able to, to perform beyond this season on their rookie deals. And, and the Warriors are the Warriors right now. Because they continue to rely on young guys to produce alongside their their superstars, like that's, and and the fact that the the, the Suns are watching that and saying no, we're gonna do the opposite. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's a thought that dawns on you guys. Like, all right, cool. I mean, <laughs> great. That's four extra wins for the Lakers every year. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, speaking of dysfunctional franchises. Oh, the Sacramento no. Kings are also in this division. And if, if you thought we couldn't say nice things about the Phoenix Suns, oh boy, buckle up. Um, Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Uh, I mean, really, the the first question we have to ask is about Marvin Bagley. Let's not focus on him versus Luka Doncic, because I think it's just unfair to him at this point, and it's... It's gonna be held against him his whole career, which sucks. But can we can we then talk about how he'll play a small forward? 
<laughs> so that is my question. Like, what do you expect from Marvin Bagley this year? And much like we just talked about in Phoenix, do you have any faith in Sacramento to develop him properly? No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it just it goes back to show me proof of guys who have made strides forward in your organization. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like the Kings... Boogie Boogie was obviously became a superstar, but he was going to be a superstar, right? Like Devin Booker mm-hmm. became a superstar in Phoenix, but he was going to be a superstar. He just has that talent. Right. And in Phoenix, like find me the guys on the peripherals, on the perimeter of your core that you have actually built into role players, and and they are non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, it's reached a point where. I'm looking at the Kings and Suns rosters as they try to sell off their young pieces or give up on them uh, because they they think that they're lost causes. Like Willie Cauley Stein is going to be a a solid NBA player if he gets out of Sacramento, right? He has the tools. He just needs somebody to step in as a coach and be like, no, Willie. You're you're not an ISO guy. You're right. a you're a you have phenomenal feet. You are laterally talented enough to be able to switch. You can finish mm-hmm. at the rim. You can contest at the rim. Like understand what you need to be good at to be an impactful NBA player, not a talented NBA player. And and we haven't seen that yet with with Sacramento and their understanding of what to do there. So like that, I could see. Vlade walking into practice one day, he sees Marvin Bagley hit like two straight three pointers, and he says, "Shooting guard." <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, and and like the Lakers, Lakers exceptionalism to me is not necessarily fans thinking that they have a chance on any given free agent. Like that's a thing, whatever. But to me, the the downside to Lakers exceptionalism is that. There's this feeling that in order to work for the Lakers, you have to have played for the Lakers. And fortunately for the Lakers, though, like they've had some all-time great thinkers that played for the Lakers that were actually Jerry West is, in my opinion, the greatest executive of all time. Um, they got lucky in the sense that like he happened to be there. Whereas like the Kings are doing this thing where <laughs> Peja Soyakovic come on down, Bobby Jackson right. come on down, Vlade Divac come on down. Like, are we going to see like? I don't know. Doug Christie is their play-by-play guy. I'm sure he has. A, he he gets to sit down and and talk about player personnel moves. And and what that does is, like, not only does it limit the pool of hiring candidates, so that you there's no way to know if you're getting the actual best guy here, but it also isolates you from the type of thinking that would help the the organization take strides forward. And for the Kings, like, what if what if all of these guys are in agreement that. Marvin Bagley is a uh, is a shooting guard or small forward or whatever, it, and there's nobody to call bullcrap and and actually look at Marvin Bagley and, and and what he's actually good at and say no 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 guys no this is this is a bad idea this is not gonna work right, out right. but but because it's it's because it becomes an echo chamber because these guys all think similarly there's no way to there's no way to know that these things are actually going to be hashed out. Well, there yeah. is. They just don't listen to it because I'm going to take you guys four years back to the 2014 NBA draft. The Kings actually had fans, like analytically inclined fans, mm-hmm. um, be a part of the whole drafting process. Like oh. they would come up with numbers, <laughs> and they did. Apparently, like that that group did a wonderful job, like coming up with player weaknesses and player strengths and projections and stuff like that. And then at draft, 
you just you saw this video. It was the it was Grantland who had that documentary series. Mm-hmm. You, when there was time to call the pick, like they just disregarded everything and it was became like this uh, Vivek Ranadive gut feeling selection. <laughs> like that, yeah. th- they spent hundreds, maybe even thousands of hours. All these guys combined, looking at all this data and presenting everything, and they got you know, applause and all that, and then come drafting time, look, all this data we've assembled over the past few months, let's fucking ignore it and take a gut <laughs> right. feeling on... Fake yeah, news. Uh, yeah, fake news <laughs> on Nick Stauskas. Yeah, one, two, three, Nick Rocks! Because that's... <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, it was like Stauskas versus Vonley, right? I, I think it was down to that, right. But here's the yeah. thing, Noah Vonley at least projected at that point to be a lot better than he was like fair you can right. always go bad with a draft pick but statistically like he was just so far ahead of the curve in co- at least compared to Stauskas it was incredible yeah well I, I, then, I just think that yeah. it comes down to for for Sacramento like it doesn't matter who they would have taken they could have taken Noah Vonley and he wouldn't have worked out I'm willing to I'm willing to predict this is a might be a crazy hot if Noah Vonley got picked by the the Kings, he would be a bust. And yeah. and like for for the Kings, like they just they don't develop guys that aren't already mm-hmm. that don't already have the keys to the kingdom in terms of of individual talent. They just don't help right. those guys take those steps forward. Like you have to be some kind of special to have DeMarcus Cousins for as long as they did <laughs> and never make the playoffs. Like you got to be yeah. That yeah. that's that's a level of ineptitude that even I would strive for in in my podcasting <laughs> abilities. <laughs> it's just it's just not it's it's and and you know for for where they sit right now, like they 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 spent last year a ton of money on George Hill, right, mm-hmm. and didn't get anything for it. They they've made signings again on on the peripherals here to to try to build up the rest of their roster and I don't think they're going to have anything to show for it. And it's just, it's kind of too bad because like if it, let's say Marvin Bagley goes where he's supposed to go in like that five to seven range, that would put him, I don't even know who was drafting in that range, but, like but Dallas. Yeah. Um, like I, I would trust, I would trust Dallas to be able to develop this guy. And this was always my concern over the course of the process is, is all right. It, it, they're they're assembling or they're drafting or acquiring all of this high-end lottery talent and if it isn't developing then it then it legitimately becomes bad for the the league right because mm-hmm. this high-end talent is not being taken advantage of and for right. the kings like they are legitimately bad for the league because they're drafting all this high-end talent and squandering it all and mm-hmm. and all, some of these guys have tools that would actually help the the some NBA team out there, but they just they won't because the Kings exist. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. what concerns me is you know look at their roster construction right now. They take Marvin Bagley. They already have Willie Cauley Stein. They already have Scal. They already have Harry Giles, all of whom they've spent first round <laughs> picks on, if not lottery picks, in recent years. They <clears throat> sign Bielitsa. I think they still have Costa Kufis too. Like. They have like seven or eight guys in their front court. They're just not. I'm traded for Deonta Davis. Oh God, yeah. So they have like that many guys in their front court, all of whom they can't manufacture minutes for. So like that does lend you to think: Are they going to play some of these? Like just play super big lineups and play Bagley at the three or play Scal at the three, which is a terrible idea. It's not going to develop them at all. So it's like 
I mean, that, that that really, if I thought, you know, the the Suns were concerned about and the Lakers were concerned about, like, are the young guys going to get enough minutes over the veterans? The Kings, it's just like, what the fuck is your roster balance right now? Like, what are you doing? Like, I, you know, their backcourt, like, they actually have talent there. Darren Fox is good. Buddy Heald has shown yeah. flashes. Bogdan Bogdanovich is good. I like the Yogi Ferrell signing, but that's, like, it. Like, if a single guy gets hurt, they are screwed. And then their mm-hmm. front court is, again, it's just like, they, they are so in desperate need to make a trade or make a couple trades to balance out that roster, but then they're just going to be selling low, most likely, on these lottery guys. So, ugh. Well, because... it's just, again, it's like with, with Phoenix. We laughed at Phoenix at how they looked at, they, they saw the rest of the Western Conference and they saw the direction it was going in, and they still Leroy Jenkins themselves, right? <laughs> right. And and like for 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 Sacramento, they see the direction that the NBA is going in, right? In this modern era, you need wings. You need to have wings who can switch down and switch up and knock down three pointers and finish at the rim and defend all over the place and defend on the perimeter and also be able to handle themselves in the post every so often. And the the Kings just said. Nope, all centers. They looked at the modern NBA where, like, legitimately good centers in any other era are, are being phased out. Like, Ennis Kanter, if he was put dropped into the 90s, he would be looked back on as like, holy crap, look how good Ennis Kanter used to be, right? Mm-hmm. You could drop... You could drop uh, Brooke Lopez into any other era, and he'd be like, holy crap, look at this seven-footer who can also step out and knock down threes and finish at the rim and do all these things, and he's really smart. But he's being phased out. And the Kings said to themselves, all those centers, and, and while all these centers get phased out, we're going to have all the centers. <laughs> we're going to take advantage of this market inefficiency that doesn't exist. Yeah, they saw the Sixers creating this super-sized lineup, and they're like, the Sixers are the future of the NBA. We need as many big bodies as possible, not realizing that a lot of the Sixers guys are actually versatile, whereas their guys... I mean, they could yeah, be. I'm, like, oh, they, I'm they glad you brought up the Sixers real quick, because this is just the best description of what you know how the Kings think. They wanted to save money on Carl Landry and Jason uh, Thompson's contract. <laughs> so they shipped yep. them to Philly for and paid a bunch of draft picks to yep. get those guys off the cap so they could have cap space. And then they went out and used that cap space on Rashawn Rondo and Marco Bellinelli. Ooh. Yep. Like they tried to get Wes Matthews, but then he said no. Yeah, and that was Wes Matthews after an Achilles rupture. Right, like three months after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's great. that's I I completely agree, Anthony. Like there there's a fundamental problem in the way that they think, the way that they operate, that they, the way they view the market, the way they view themselves. <laughs> like it, you could basically go to the Kings, like if you were like an external consultant or whatever, and you go, look, every thought that you might have had over the last twelve months is why you're failing. Whenever you have a new thought. Do the opposite, and your result is more <laughs> likely to be better. Well, it's it, Vivek always reminds me. Remember the the first new Jurassic Park movie that just they, that came out like yeah. a couple of years ago. And there's that scene where he could very easily have just let the the pilot 
fly in and, and rescue everybody, but instead flew into the dome that let all the pterodactyls out and oh, killed yeah. all mm-hmm. the customers. Like, it just, yep. it reminds me, that's the exact thing that you're talking about. Like, Vivek, <laughs> your instincts tell you to, to, to hop in this helicopter and try to be the hero, but you should do the opposite of that and not kill all your customers with pterodactyls. Like, you should, you should just, like, like, Marvin Bagley's out there, like, chewing on somebody's arm out there because, because, because Vivek is out there thinking that he's the hero. That, that oh, should God. be like on the program for every Kings game this year. Just like a picture of pterodactyl, like Vivek <laughs> photoshopped into a helicopter flying into a pterodactyl dome. Yeah, oh. exactly. Man. All right. Let's finish things up with the Los Angeles Clippers because I think the Kings made us too mad. Uh, Mort, <laughs> I know you had them very low on your league pass rankings because you think they're basically just a transient team. But. That said, they do have a decent starting five. They've got some bench depth. Mm-hmm. The West is... Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Really deep, obviously, but do you think this team has a chance to compete for the playoffs as currently constructed? No. <laughs> I, I think I think it would re- require Tobias Harris to come out and just unleash hell upon the league. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it would, would require. require. You look at the team, like Danilo Gallinari is going to play like 20 minutes, and then he's going to get injured. Right. He's gonna come back, you know, a month later. He's gonna play like five or six games. And he's gonna get injured. Like it's gonna be one of those on and off again, and again and again. Uh, Jawan Evans not ready. Shy not ready yet. Jerome Robinson that was a stretch. Avery Bradley has been you know pretty bad since leaving Boston. I mean, I I like the Luke Mbamute signing, but like not for mm-hmm. them. If you get what I mean, yeah. like he was good in Houston, but for that specific team, I'm not sure what he's going to offer them. Montrezl Harrell is good. I really like that guy, but again, like he's he's a complimentary piece, and mm-hmm. a complimentary piece to what? Yeah, yeah. They they feel like they're going to be competitive most nights. Like I don't think they're going to get blown out all that often. Right. But like, yeah, they do. They do feel like a. They'll lose like by five to ten points most nights kind of team yeah and you know that can have its value but i'm just not Mm. seeing like where they where they win their games again like it is possible for tobias harris to reach a new level i think we saw it last year so he could do it again but that level would just have to be so insanely high i mean we would our entire perception of who tobias harris is as a player would have to change for them to be competitive Mm -hmm. well i mean lou williams he you know well, I think so. We've now talked about three straight teams now that their their number one problem isn't necessarily a personnel thing. It isn't necessarily uh, an X's and O's thing. Like it, it's not a coaching decision thing. It's 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 an inability to recognize where they currently stand. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, I am completely out of shape and can no longer wear 
Like I, I, I went yesterday to Kohl's and just bought a ton of extra large shirts because like I can no longer wear large. And like it was it was a it was a crappy feeling in the moment, but like I'm helping everybody else around me because they don't see me like <laughs> squished into a large shirt anymore, you know? And and like with all of these teams, they need to have that kind of come to Jesus moment of we are no we are not this organ we are not capable of contending right now. And mm-hmm. if all of these teams recognize that, if if Phoenix mm-hmm. recognized it, if Sacramento recognized it, if the Clippers recognized it, and they completely bought into rebuilding while the Western Conference is as, as insane as it is, because losses are going to be easy to come by, right? We all agree yeah. about that. So like, mm-hmm. if, if they all kind of recognized, okay, now isn't the time to try to contend. Now isn't the time. Now is the time to really hash out all of these organizational issues and fix them while we're also fixing our roster and building for the future. Well, then now they start to make a lot more sense. But all of these teams have convinced themselves, no, actually, maybe we might be able to contend and we might be able to get to, like, the 43-win mark. Like, if you aim for the middle, you shoot for the stars, you land on the moon. You aim for the middle, where does that leave you if you don't reach your, your absolute ceiling? And mm-hmm. and where that leaves you is NBA purgatory of, like, that 8 to 10 pick range. And that's not where you want to be. Just suck. It, it, yeah. Take <laughs> welcome the suck, and 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 <laughs> you'll be better off long term. Yeah, I mean, so they have a lot of guys in contract years. They have Harris, they have Gortat, they have Beverly, Bradley. I think only like two million dollars of his 2019-2020 salary is guaranteed. So they could go into the season thinking they're going to compete. Whatever. Come January, if they are completely out of the playoff race. Do you guys think they then look at, you know, crit- look critically and like say, "Okay, you know, maybe it's time to blow this thing apart and let's like restock on picks. Let's suck for the last couple months of the season. Let's bolster our own pick." Or do you think they just stubbornly, you know, stick by the roster the whole year? I think it'll be the latter and it's because they have convinced themselves that they have a chance at Kawhi Leonard. Right, like they can't, they they can't go into full on rebuild mode while they have themselves thinking that they have a chance at Kawhi because Kawhi isn't going to want to jump onto a complete rebuild. That's not what he's going to sign up for. So they're going to, and again, it just comes down to recognizing your own shortcomings. Like, yeah, cool. Maybe you'd have a chance at Kawhi in any other year uh, because of the weirdness that's going on with his camp. But they don't like, and and they need to be realistic with themselves and 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 recognize that they don't really have a chance at him. And so long as they continue to think that they do, they're tiring. They're tying one hand behind their backs, and they're going to hurt their own long term rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, like you said, you know, the, this season for the Lakers is as much about next year, like next summer, as it is about this year. They need to show some sort of steady progress to have you know draw in another free agent i feel like this year for the clippers they like they know they can make at least one if not two max contract spots they would love to like get you know if this jimmy butler Kyrie thing you know is actually a package and they're like both of those guys really do want to play together they're going to want to be in on that bidding and like try to get both of those guys but it does seem like if they blow themselves apart to the point where, you know, there's nothing, they can always just like 
lose those free agents next summer. And yeah, it would suck that you don't get anything back. But at least if you keep those guys on your roster past the trade deadline, you have a plan B. Whereas like if, you know, if you strike out on Kawhi and KD and Kyrie, like you're not suddenly left with the bill of like, oh shit, we traded all these guys just to create two max contract spots. And now like Mark Gasol is the best free agent on the market. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> how much are they going to pay Tobias Harris next year is what I'm wondering. Because that's yeah. what's going to happen. They're going to strike out. I, I think what they, I think they were pretty clever in one thing last year when they, even though it was kind of shady, when they convinced Blake to, to re-sign because they knew they oh, wouldn't, yeah. they didn't want to lose an asset. They did the same with Lou Williams. So I think the Clippers, unlike the Kings and Suns that we talked about previously, are at least aware that you don't, you know, you don't win by losing assets. So mm-hmm. looking at, the, you know, they might be, be going all in on the cap space route, but if they strike out, I do think they have this idea of, well, we can still do something else and then retain some sort of value by flipping these guys later on if we re-sign them. Right. But to what end is my question? Because at some point, if you're going the free agent route, then you're obviously also wanting to win. Like at some mm-hmm. point, you have to make some noise. At some point, you have to go for it. Some, at some point, you have to do something about it that's aggressive, that's, that's going to produce results. The Clippers just has this track record of not really going for that unless they had like CP3 at the point guard position, which is never going to happen again. Like he's right. a once in a generation talent. Like, where do you go from here? They're in purgatory. Well, I think they need to they need to look back on on what put themselves in the spot to get CP3 in the first place, and it was right. they drafted Blake, they drafted DeAndre. They drafted Eric a couple. Per, yeah, they they drafted they drafted like the 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 pieces that enabled that all to happen, right? And and look, it, it's the the equation is right there on how to succeed in the NBA, and and it, it's actually really cool. This is a really cool era for for the NBA because teams are realizing, oh wait, young guys can actually produce too, and it enables these teams to compete in the immediate. And also build for the future at the same time. Like all of the best mm-hmm. teams do this: Boston, uh, Golden State, uh, Houston to a lesser extent. Toronto is doing it right, and and yeah. and that's in all these teams that aren't recognizing that equation. Like they're they're shooting themselves in the foot because they they think that it's either win now or it's build for the future. When really you all you have to do is. <laughs> all you have to do but what yeah. you have to do <laughs> is is draft a couple guys who outperform their rookie contract get to the top of the lottery if possible to to give you the best opportunity to get those kinds of guys and then you can till you continue to build around them and you continue to build a culture around that situation and for all of these teams that have identity identity issues they they seem to think that it's either one or the other when it's when it's really not and 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 continuing to think that way is really going to hurt them moving forward for years to come. Yeah, and I think the problem for the Clippers is that while Blake DeAndre CP3 were there, they were trading their first round pick like every other year, like as much as they possibly could. Like they did not value draft picks properly. It seems like since Jerry West came aboard, now they're starting to. They're starting to realize, you know, even like they had two picks, what, like 12 and 13 this year, but they got, yeah. you know, Shea could be interesting. Like he's. He's that, good. That, 
Yeah, like that. That's a that was a home run swing at whatever pick you know late lottery pick. Like you don't have to get. Ideally, you would love a top five, top three, number one pick because, as you said, Anthony, it gives you just the best chance of getting that type of prospect. But like, it's sometimes even. I mean, in terms of value, like those guys get paid more too. If you hit a home run at. 11 12 13 like the suns did with devin booker like the bucks did with Giannis, like they are way outperforming their contract whereas Mm -hmm. a number one pick is still making like eight million dollars i mean it's still going to be close to the mid-level exception you get a lottery Mm -hmm. pick it's two million bucks like you can't ask for that type of value so yeah i mean hopefully they will start or like continue to pivot in this direction of like this is how we actually build a team. I, I, it just seems like they don't want to go into like a full rebuild yet. Like, I saw a quote from Steve Ballmer where he just said it doesn't send a good message to free agents, but I think that's going to make next summer really interesting for them because if they do strike out on these top-tier guys, and I keep banging this drum, but there, I really don't think there are that many guys worth a max deal next summer. Like There are far fewer guys worth a max deal than there are teams are going to have max slots or even two max slots so like mm-hmm. what as as more as you said like what happens once kd Kawhi, Kyrie, jimmy all decide i even throw chris middleton in that group but that's just because i love him but like <laughs> after those five guys like i don't know if there's another guy who deserve or who's like would be a good investment in a max and that's you know 10 plus teams can make max slots next year right Right. There, there isn't a guy. Is, is Well, just the concept of a max deal is kind of a flawed concept, right? Because if you're thinking max, then you there's only like three or four guys across the league who should be making mm-hmm. that amount of money. And mm-hmm. let alone three or four guys that are all available in the same offseason, right? And so... For the, for the Clippers and for a lot of these teams that, that, that are going to strike out next year, because some teams are going to, again, you... you you can't convince yourself. You have to convince yourself on like think of poor Minnesota with Andrew Wiggins and and their owner like asking, asking, hey, you promise you're gonna work hard? <laughs> like if you have yeah. to do your did those kind of backflips to convince yourself on that, you're in trouble. And and I think you're just better off. And and it's tough, you know, because you have to you have to get your fan base on board with this too. But but more and more fan bases are on board with this. Like more, if mm. anything, like look for the Clippers. Uh, they should look at at the Lakers and and how the Lakers are a historical franchise that never was really bad, and yet they didn't lose any fans over the last five years. Like it, the, the the if anything, next year is going to be even more magical because they 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 have gone through this crap that they just went through for these last five years, right? And and mm-hmm. for the Clippers, they could look also at the Lakers and and how the Lakers bring fans out to. Las Vegas and and how they that happened because they drafted D'Angelo Russell and then they draft well first they drafted Julius Randle and then D'Angelo Russell and then uh, Brandon Ingram and then Lonzo Ball and over that course like they were just selling out Thomas and Mac and for the Clippers like they they should look at that they should look at that success and say oh fans actually can think long term too and right. and 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 you know give their fans a little bit of credit here so that they they find themselves better situated for for not just 3 4 years from now but but decades from now 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams have that problem where they look at fans as just extremely unintelligent. Yeah. Um, if we if we just look at the Bulls real quickly, I mean they've lost so much fan support over the past five years because they're spoken to as they're just morons. Yeah. I mean when you look at that Gar Foreman press conference, like you might as well have a drinking game for the amount of time. <laughs> so he's gonna insult the intelligence of of, of fans watching, and. and yeah, you know, I, I think it's a, a perfect point. You have so many fans right now across the league just clamoring for those teams that are, you know, in the middle. Just go tank already. You know, for, for teams especially that have some assets, you know, veterans that they can flip for picks or young guys or whatever. Like those some of those deals are right there and they're not being completed because some guy in an office somewhere who has his whose feet is not on the ground goes, Well, you know, it's it's a draw. People like to watch this guy who's the thirty seventh best player in the NBA. That's that guy is bringing seats in the, in uh, or butts in the seats. Yeah, no, no. A lot of fan bases will actually show up if you start to rebuild and say, you know what, let's break it down and let's just start up again. But this time, let's do it right. I, I think a lot of fans would just be very appreciative of that. Yeah, I, I, it would suck to get talked down to all the time, right? Like, right. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, that t- teams probably should start taking account of or taking account for is uh, the, the coverage of these teams. Like, the presence mm-hmm. of, of all the various blogs and, and the presence of NBA. Like, the NBA itself has welcomed NBA Twitter, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. it's something that they really looked at and they're proud of the creativity that comes with, with NBA Twitter. And yet there are teams out there who are like, well, no, that's it. And it is the small minority, but more and more fans are being informed by the opinions of some of the guys who sit and, and girls who, who sit down and really think this stuff out and really and, and spend a lot of time on figuring out what the best situation is for their team moving forward. And, and the presence of these blogs and more and more journalists are, are giving their opinion, uh, which is obviously extremely informed. And, and what that does is it really highlights when teams F up. And, and what, these, what these teams need to realize is there's a huge readership out there who read and follow and listen to these people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's not as easy to just wipe stuff under the rug anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like I, I would play devil's advocate for a second because, you know, from the like the Philly perspective, I think is the most famous version of tanking in the last five years, at least. And like attendance wise, it really did fall during the early part of the process, especially. So for teams that are focused on like the immediate financial return, you do lose money at the start. And if you're concerned about that, then that's, you know, you, there's no way around that. You can't embrace a full tank. But as we've seen, like the past year especially, and even, the, you know, once Ben Simmons came around, like the Sixers have more fan support now, I would say, yep. than they have since the Iverson era. Yeah, so, like, fans are going to back. stick around. Yeah, for, right. You, <laughs> if, you, if you put a good product on the floor, fans are going, it's the Field of Dreams thing. If you build it, yeah. they will come. <laughs> like yeah. If, yeah. if you if you put a decent product on the court, eventually fans are going to come around, and and that's always been. And now, sure, those those thin years are a little extra thin, but if if 
if you have to sacrifice those few thin years to set yourself up for long-term sustainable success, that's a trade-off you make every day of the week and a few times over on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think more your point about you know guard in Chicago just like lying or just talking down to fans. I think that you know Hinky, that's what endeared a lot of Philly people to him. It was just like yep. no bullshit, just like yeah. we are going to oh, yeah. suck for a couple of years, and like this is what we have a long term plan in place. This is what we're going for, and it goes back to what we're talking about with the Suns and the Kings and the Clippers. Like we don't know the Clippers. I I think probably do have a long term plan in place, just because I have faith in Jerry West. But like the Suns and the Kings, I'm not convinced that they have a long term no. plan in place, and that's really gonna like ultimately damage that like that's why i don't you know king's fans i've been saying it for months like i you deserve an amnesty you should be able to choose another team because there is no there's no sign that that you're gonna like pull out of this at any point like and I this no goes reason. for knicks fans as well by the way yeah yeah like you have you know the Suns and the knicks both have really talented players and devin booker and chris Porzingis. but i have no faith in those organizations pulling out of this just because they have bad ownership and that bad ownership leads to all these ever-changing long-term plans and it's uh, these these franchises kill me i mean i think there's a chance that like we're talking about the three worst teams in the west right now in the suns the kings and the clippers and not like long term but this year i think these might be the three worst and by the way to your point about sam hinkey are you telling me he didn't say we want to get younger and more athletic and then go out and sign Rashawn Rondo and Dwayne Wade? <laughs> no. He, mm. he just mm. went for Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah. I, I actually remember <laughs> the Twitter reaction when, when Gar said that initially before the oh, signings. Yeah. Yeah. People were just celebrating. Like, you know, yeah. the Chicago champ- Bulls riots from the 1991 championship were just going on. People were like, yeah, they started <laughs> to get it. They understand. Right. Right. And the Bulls sign Rashawn Rondo. It's like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. And, and that that's what's gonna make the Clippers really fascinating over these next twelve months. Is like, as Anthony said, do you understand your place right now in the league? Like, do you get that you're not you're not a title contender, yeah. and you're most likely not a real contender for any of these max free agents again unless like maybe they've gotten some back channel stuff and say like jimmy and Kyrie both want to come to you in which case that's going to inform their decision making but otherwise are they really just banking on like we're in la and we have 50 million in cap space and it worked to the lakers so it'll work for us well obviously what they wouldn't know whether jimmy or Kyrie were uh, interested before because there was a strict July right. one oh, yes. deadline, no, Brian. Remember no the, the Lakers know all about the <laughs> yeah, right. that one. Yeah, they could just ask Magic Johnson. Yeah, but that, uh, Magic like, is so just you used home. you right. used the Lakers as the example of like things just kind of working out. That's that's a lot of what happened, right? Like the the Lakers happened to have cat space, and now fortunately, like LeBron. The, the reason LeBron wanted to come to the Lakers wasn't basketball specific. It was that he knew that the Lakers brand would kind of help, lead, you know, uh, shoot. Uh, like boost his pole profile. Vault. Yeah, vault him. Yeah. Thank you. Vault yeah. him into 
<laughs> vault him into like the next stratosphere of the yeah. business acumen that he wanted to to kind of succeed with and mm-hmm. and so like if the clippers are looking at the lakers the clippers don't have that kind of brand appeal right. they don't they don't have right. that market appeal so if they're saying see look it worked for the lakers well the lakers have 16 rings like they the lakers yeah. have actual <laughs> banners that they can hang up there they don't have selfies that they put up on the side of their building that, that that's just like right. that's not and so like again it's just understanding what you are or are not capable of for mm-hmm. example me I make a living speaking, and I just forgot how to say the word vault. <laughs> I, should, I should probably rethink a few things. You know? <laughs> You're saying the Clippers don't have a banner of Blake Griffin winning the dunk contest? <laughs> no, no. They may as well like try to. They try to. They, they may as well try to take ownership of Taylor Swift's banner that she has up on stage. Yeah, and, and stage. <laughs> yeah that's true. It, probably no room in the Lakers, so they might as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, guys, this was a lot of fun. I think we covered some good territory here. Anthony, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, w- remind people where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter. I'm uh, I'm at Anthony Irwin LA. You can find uh, Locked On Lakers everywhere that you find podcasts. Uh, you can follow Silver Screen and Roll. It's at Lakers SBN. Uh, that's where I do all my writing. Um, I, I shouts to Harrison. Uh, who who puts up with my crap on a daily basis <laughs> <laughs> to, to let me continue to write there. But but yeah, it's, it's all fun stuff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you on. We're not happy that the Lakers are relevant this year, but congratulations <laughs> again. We'll, we'll suffer through you guys on Twitter for nine months like we have with the Warriors for the last four years. Uh, yeah, that, in the that, meantime- that, that reminds me, I have to go out and buy an extra large Lakers rings shirt. Oh God! <laughs> well, I, I, I was there many years ago. I'm am I, I'm at the three to four XL part. So when I heard <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't wear large anymore. It's like, dude, <laughs> I wish I had that problem. Yeah, <laughs> my bad, my bad. Well, in the meantime, everyone, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. You can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Anthony Irwin. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. Have a good one. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.